Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. We're going to look at one of the, it was actually one of the wonders of the ancient world. And it wasn't a riddle, it was the Temple of Solomon. And uh, it, was, it was a complex and detailed temple. And we're going to look at some of these. It, just the foundations of this temple took four years to build. Four years to build. It took 11 years to build the entire temple. And this is, as Solomon began the process of building this temple, it says that, that uh, the Lord came to him, the word of the Lord came to Solomon, and he said, as for this temple that you're building... If you follow my decrees, observe my laws, and keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David, your father. And I like this next part. It says, and I will live among the Israelites and not abandon my people Israel. You know, the, as, as Solomon was building this temple, in the middle of this, it was actually right at the start of this, as he's getting started building this, God, God comes to him and says, you know, it's all fine that you're building this, but what I'm really concerned with is your heart. That you're following my decrees, that you're walking in my ways. And he says, if you, if you will do these things, then I will inhabit this temple. But the warning was that if you don't follow my decrees, then I'm not going to inhabit this temple. And so the, the temple had, there was a lot of detail. I'm, I'm going to give you a, like a quick bullet sheet here. You know, the entire interior walls were lined with cedar paneling from the floor to the ceiling. You, it, you couldn't see any, it was, there, were, there was all beams and it was all made of stone, quarried stone. And that for, for whatever reason, they never quarried any of the stone on site. All of the stone had to be quarried off site and then brought in. So there, and it says so that no sound of a chisel was heard in the building of the temple. I don't know why. There's probably profound spiritual significance to that. That's not my message today. <clears throat> he just wants you to have some peace while you're building. That's what I'm going to go with. And so it says he, he covered the whole thing. But then after it, was, after it was all covered with cedar, it says that he carved into that cedar gourds and flowers and, uh, and you know, frou-frou. And <clears throat> it says he prepared the inner sanctuary of the temple to, to set the Ark of the Covenant in this inner sanctuary. And he overlaid the entire inside with pure gold. He overlaid the altar of cedar with gold. He covered the inside of the temple with pure gold. He extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. He overlaid the gold well, he overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. And in the inner sanctuary he made a pair of cherubim, which is big angels, out of olive wood, olive wood Ten cubits high. One wing of the first chair was five cubits long. The other was five. You know, they're big. And so, and then it says, they, he covered all of those with gold. You get, you get the idea. He, it just, he carved cherubim, palm trees, open flowers on the outer walls. He covered the floors of both the inner and outer rooms of the temple with gold. 
You imagine, like, there's some serious bling going on as you walk into the temple. Everything is detailed, and it's golden, baby. And this is all the detail. Details mattered. And you know why they mattered? Is because this place would become the dwelling place of the Most High God. So the details mattered. It was built intricately and with care. And while, while Solomon's temple is now gone, this God is still interested in his temple. He's still interested in the way the temple is being built. So what does that mean for us today? And I think, you know, you might think, oh, oh boy, he's getting ready for like a building fund message. You know, giving's been down. People can't get here. Maybe he needs to do it. This is not what I'm talking about today. That was humor, by the way. You're allowed to laugh out loud. You can't sing out loud, but you can laugh out loud. It's interesting, 1 Corinthians 6, this is, this is what Paul said. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who comes from God and dwells inside of you? You do not own yourself. You have been purchased at a great price. So use your body to bring glory to God. Don't you know? Everyone say, don't you know? That your body is the temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And for all the detail that we read about, about the temple being built in the time of Solomon, that's the detail and intricacy that God wants to build into your life. So that when people experience your life, they walk in and say, you got some bling going on in your spirit. You've got, there's some gold in there. There's some detail in there. I can see the, the work of angels and flowers. There's something profoundly deep that, is, that has happened in your life. That's what God is building today. And when Paul talked to the, when, when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, the, the church in Corinth they, they all understood what the temple was for. They all understood why you went to temple. Temple was a place where you, meant, you went to meet with God. The temple was the place where you communed with God. They would have all grown up in the habit of going to the temple. They would have grown up knowing this is where you petition, you commune with, and you talk to God. And Paul was saying that this experience now no longer requires you to go to a certain place, but you are, actually, you are that place. That you commune with God in, in your own life. And he, he makes it specific. He says, it's not just your spirit. He said, it's your body. It's your body that is the temple of the Holy... Now, in Western culture, we, we kind of... We, yeah, our body is kind of... Yeah, whatever. You know, we're, we're just kind of, you know, God's gives, he saves our soul, he gives us a new spirit, and the body he'll deal with in eternity, right? Isn't that kind of how we approach? You know, God doesn't, you know, it, it, God doesn't care all that much about our body, or spiritually, spiritually speaking, what we do with our body, it, it's not a big deal. But Paul is saying it is a big deal. Your body is the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple. Where Your body is the place where you meet God, where you commune with God, where you hear from God. And so he's, he's going on to say, since your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, make sure you're taking care of it. Make sure you're taking care of it because this is where you're going to meet with God. I'm doing my points out of order. So I want to talk about building your temple. And you might be thinking, oh boy, here comes a physical fitness message. Um, As inclined as I am to do that, that's not what I'm going to talk about today. I want to talk about you and your emotions and your emotional health. Because another thing that we tend to separate is we tend to separate our will and our emotions and our body from each other. We kind of view them as separate things, but they're actually not separate things. They're all connected together. They all work. They work in conjunction with one another. And you, you, you just know if you eat lousy for a couple of days, your emotions start to show it. Isn't it true? Or if you don't exercise for a little while, or you just all you do is sit and watch TV for 24 hours straight. I can tell you, you will not be at your peak enthusiasm levels after doing that. Because it's all connected. Everything you do is connected. What you put in your body, just even something as simple as food, can create an emotional reaction in your body. Our physical health influences our mental, our emotional, and our spiritual experience. That's why Paul's saying, make sure you take care of your body. Because it's going, to, it's going to affect your entire experience with God. Now, the last, few, the last few months have been a little disruptive. I don't know if your life has been disrupted at all, but mine's been rather disrupted over the last few months. And it's, it's created a lot of disorientation. It's left a lot of people in confusion, a lot of emotional confusion. And even if your job didn't change a lot, or, or, or maybe some of your daily routines didn't change, everybody's life changed to some degree because our, our interactions all changed. And a lot of people it, now, we, you know, we have kind of settled into this new season, but there's a lot of confusion in the lives of people. And, and it's not just confusion, like intellectual confusion. There's a lot of emotional confusion that's taking place in the lives of people in this season. And there, there's a word for it. It's called trauma. And the word, a lot of us would go, well, what we've gone through hasn't been that traumatic. Tra- traumatic? 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 <laughs> I find vocabulary traumatic. You know, a lot of us, it's like we're not, we would say that what we've gone through isn't traumatic, yet it's still, you'd acknowledge, but there has been some pretty significant changes in my life. Well, that by definition is traumatic. This is, this is the definition of trauma. Something that's deeply distressing, disrupting, or disturbing. And so, even though the initial disruption is over, the emotional consequences are actually just starting to show up in a lot of people's lives. 
or they've shown up for a while and now the question is, why do I feel like this? Like, how come, how come, you know, my life's not that hard, so how come, how come everything on the inside has been, how come, this is what one person said to me, everything feels so different right now. Like, I just don't feel like the same person. It just feels different. Well, that is trauma. And it doesn't have to be a disastrous experience. It just has to be a disturbing experience. Something that interrupts your life. And it's, it's beginning to show up in emotional reactions. It's beginning to show up in, in just outlook, in relationships, you name it. From a biological standpoint, uh, a traumatic event actually reshapes our way of thinking. It actually changes the way that we think. I've been, uh, been reading a book written by a neuroscientist, and he's a Christian neuroscientist. It's, it's, it's actually a really interesting uh, book because he, he makes all these connections between um, you know, how our, our spirit and our brain work together. And it's, it's very interesting. I can't remember the author right now. Google me, I'll tell you later, or Facebook me or something. Um, Google me, yes. <laughs> I'm tech savvy, let me tell ya. Actually, have you ever Googled your name? Yeah, I'm a porn star apparently. <laughs> Sorry, so don't Google my name. <laughs> Just connect through the church. That'll do the best right there. <laughs> For those of you online, you put your phones away. Stop Googling me right now. Those of you in the room, put your phones away too. Okay, we needed that. Um, it, well, basically, what, what this... What the author says here is that when, when there's trauma, it reshapes the neural pathways in our brain. But what happens is afterwards, those pathways, they, they're set now. And so as life goes back to normal, we think, oh, I can't wait for life to go back the way it was. The problem is, is our brain never goes back to the way it was. So some of you, you just thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? Well, there's ways to reshape, again, the neural pathways of our brain. But what happens is when those, when those pathways get set, they stay there, unless there, again, is another event that helps to change those. And so that's why, that's why some of you have found yourselves thinking, well, I need to get out. I need to get connected. I really need to get back to, in the building of church. And yet you found it very difficult to do that. Well, well, why is that? Well, it's because there's a new neural network. It's like a new system of programming that's controlling or influencing the way that we, we think and act. Creates confusion, disorientation. And what's interesting is, is uh, you know, even when this whole COVID thing is over, many people will still be stuck in their homes. Because this, this new neural pathway has been created. See, trauma assaults our emotional health. And as a general rule, our perception of life is fundamentally about the emotions that we experience in our life. 
And if we, if we don't attune and respond to the situations that we go through uh, in a healthy way, then we end up reacting to them. And we end up, we end up, they end up actually polarizing us in our emotions. See, if we, if we attune to them, then we can respond to trauma in a healthy way or respond to the situations of life in a, in a healthy way. And that emotion can actually lead us to a deeper, more intimate relationship with, the, with God and those around us. If we attune to the emotions. But if we polarize and we react to emotions, then emotions can actually become a very unhealthy force in our life. They can start to drive wedges between the, us and those around us. We start to lose our, our anchor on how to react to what's happening or how to react to the people around us. And if we end up reacting, we, we, end up, we end up going down this path of anxiety, confusion, guilt, anger, or shame because we haven't properly processed these emotions. See, emotion isn't necessarily reality, but our response to emotion shapes our reality. Emotion isn't necessarily, what you're feeling isn't necessarily good or bad, right or wrong, but how we respond to it determines the experience that we're going to be having down the road. And so our emotions, they're shaped by some key influences in our life. And if you're taking notes, you can just write, it's, this is just simple one, two, three. And number one, Here's one of the number one things that shape our emotions is our attention. What's getting our attention? What are we paying attention to? What are we focusing on? What are we listening to? What is the, what, what is the influence? There's, there's, this cons, there's, a, there's a name for it. It's, it's basically, I, I call it the conspiracy theory effect. And, uh, you know, basically it's the... the the people, at, I believe it was Google or it was Facebook, um, they, they have people that go through articles and, and vet them for basically false information or, you know, we've all heard about this. There's a conspiracy theory about the people that search out the conspiracy theories. <laughs> but what they found is that they had to, they just had to periodically change these people in this department because the, the longer people were exposed to the conspiracy theories, the more likely they were to start believing them. Right. And even though, the, even though they, they would, like, intellectually, they'd say, I know this is not true, but I'm finding myself starting to believe this. And it, it's, it's interesting, the effect. If you were to say, and this is just like a stupid example, but it's, it's a mic example. If I were to say that the coronavirus coronavirus was seeded by aliens. At first, you would reject that. You'd say, that is absolutely ridiculous, Mike. You are a, you're an idiot. And you might use some colorful adjectives along with that. But then if you were to watch an article that, say, that says something to the effect of, you know, viruses may have been implanted on the earth by meteorites that struck the earth. And then you, your brain would go back to, Mike said, and then you, do you see the, the connection that starts to take, you could see your brain is capable of making connections out of anything. If you just expose yourself to those connections long enough, your emotions 
are capable of responding in any way, depending on what you're paying attention to. So your emotions may not be right, but if you're surrounding yourself or if you're constantly paying attention to unhealthy things, your emotions just become unhealthy. And it's not because they're correct, it's just because that's what you're paying attention to. So the question to ask is what am I paying attention to? Who am I paying attention to? See, what we pay attention to ultimately ends up shaping our memory, our relationships, our responses, and our emotions. And if we, if we fail to recognize how we are emotionally reacting to that which is getting our attention, then we can't bring ourselves to a place of health. They did an experiment. This is uh, an experiment that was done with mice and amphetamines. <clears throat> And so what they did is they took, uh, they took a high dose. It took, they found it took a high dose of amphetamines to kill a mouse in isolation. So like to kill a mouse, they, they're ODing the mice on amphetamines. This is, I don't condone this. I'm just reading you the results of the test. But what they did is they, they found it took, it took a high dose to kill a solitary mouse, a mouse that was by itself. But if they took a group of mice and gave them all a very small dosage, they found that a dose 20 times smaller would be just as lethal because these mice would get all hopped up and then they would hop each other up. And then they would end up working themselves into a frenzy and then dying. But then also they found that you can take one mouse that is on no amphetamines and put it in the group of 20 and that mouse will die too. And it's all, it, it's all this, what are you paying attention to? The healthy, nothing wrong with it mouse was just in the, bad, or the wrong environment and it ended up killing it. And you know, you can, you can have your emotional or your, your heart or your spirit or life can be healthy but if you're in the wrong environment, if you're paying attention to the wrong things, you can, you can still end up with a deadly result in your life, your heart, and your emotions. Some of you needed to hear that. The second thing, the second thing that influences our emotions is number, number two, our remembrance. What we choose to remember. What we choose to remember, and uh, you know, a perfect example of this is you can have two people that grow up in the same family and one remembers family time and life being wonderful and close and intimate and the other remembers a completely different experience. And if you talk to, the, if you talk to them separately, you'd think you grew up in separate houses and then you find out no, you grew up in the same house. One said family life was wonderful, and the other one said family life sucked. What's the difference? Well, the difference is what they choose to remember. The difference is what they have cho chosen to dwell on. What are you choosing to remember? You know, the Bible is filled with the theme regarding what we choose to remember. What we remember profoundly influences our day-to-day -day experience and can lead us to a place of health or a place of anguish. 
You know, one of the things that we're told to remember, Luke chapter 22, Jesus, when he gave, he, he took the, the last supper with his disciples, that he didn't just do this and say, now I'm going to do this sacrifice and it's all going to be cool. As he did it, he said, I want you to do this continually in remembrance of what I'm doing today in, in purchasing your freedom. The Psalms, if you, if you read the Psalms, they're continually filled with these calls to remember. Remember God's unfailing love. Remember God's endless mercy. Remember God's divine justice. The theme of the book of Deuteronomy is a call to your remembrance. Moses was giving instructions to the children of Israel as they're going into the promised land. And he say, I want you to, I just want you to remember Remember what God has, has spoken to you. Remember what he's promised you. And then he goes, one of the verses, one of my favorites is chapter 8. He says, when you finally enter the land where you succeed, he says, remember, it was God who brought you here. Don't forget who got you here. But you know, what we remember can also lead us to despair. We can hope for things to go back to the way they were or we can hope for something to that to be the way it was before see we have to be careful that when we when we're when we're remembering we're remembering that which will help us move forward that we're remembering that which will help us move in a healthy direction and the third thing that influences us as our intentions influences our emotion is our intentions and our intentions they're the things that create uh, they're things that help us create intentional change in our life intentional change to our reactions or our behaviors then there's there's some things here this is this is actually out of that that uh, uh, book I was talking about and he, he talks about some things that you can do that will help you reshape your neural pathways in a, in a new direction. And he, I, I love one of the first things he says is, is, is start with novel learning experiences. In other words, go do something new. Go do something new. Do something you haven't done before. Have a new experience because and when you have a new experience, it actually reshapes. It actually creates new pathways in your brain. You need to do new things. Without new things, your brain's not changing, which means you're not changing. It means the way you're reacting, you're just gonna keep reacting that way. The way you feel, guess what? You're just gonna keep feeling that way. You need new experiences. Some of you just pick a new hobby. Go make soap. You need to do new things. The second thing is physical activity. Physical activity helps your emotional life. I didn't write this. It's the neuroscientist who wrote this. 45 minutes a day, five days a week causes your mind to function better. You know what that is? It's taking care of the temple. It's taking care of the temple. And I know some people would respond, I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, let me ask you the question. Do you have time for repeated trips to the doctor later in life? 
do you have do you have time for foggy and lethargic thinking because your brain isn't getting the blood flow that it needs to be healthy do you have time for emotional breakdowns do you have time for chronic anxiety you need these things to be healthy the third thing is healthy interactions healthy interactions in other words get around other people and there's a the, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is, Paul said, don't you understand that together you form a temple to the living God and his spirit lives among you. So he, he tells them in chapter 6, which is actually later, but he tells them in chapter 6 that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But in, in chapter 3, he actually says, you all together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God dwells in us individually, but he also dwells in us together and then the last thing is focused attention practices focused attention practices and this is where uh, that's kind of a, a, a big phrase but basically this is where things like silence and solitude meditation spending time in the Word of God even Sabbath these are all things these are all activities that cause us to stop and pause and pause and reflect. See, scrolling through social media, scrolling through, through the news, that's actually the opposite of, of solitude and silence because that's, that's introducing a lot of times just anxious information. See, healthy spiritual formation takes place in the quiet places of our life. Silence and solitude is for your mind like fasting is for your body. It, it just helps you to reset things. You read how many of the Psalms of David were born out of his own solitude and meditation. It was where he, he came before God, he acknowledged what was in his life, but then he declared, God, you are greater. Where he'd make statements like, why so downcast, O oh my soul? A lot of us just stop there. Why so do- downcast, O oh my soul? But then he finishes that statement by saying, put your hope in God. Put your hope. He, he's talking to himself. These times of silence, solitude, meditation, worship, they're about allowing God to make us new, to, to, clean, to cleanse our hearts to create newness in our lives, to create new pathways for our lives, for our emotions, for our, for our, inner, for in our, our inner man. Father, we thank you that you melt the mountains in our lives like wax. That when we bring our lives and allow you to work in our lives, there is no obstacle that can stand against your presence. And just like when you told Solomon, if you If you walk in my decrees, if you walk in my ways, then my presence will never depart from this temple. Father, you never want to depart from our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us the hearts to follow in your ways, to follow in your paths. I was reading Psalms 51 this week, and this this was a prayer from David that came out of his worst failure, but it also showed his great heart towards God. I just want to read it to you because I believe that that a lot of times 
you know, we don't always know the words to say, well, here's a great, here is a great prayer where David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore within me a sense of being brand new. Don't throw me far away from your presence and don't remove your Holy Spirit from me. Give back to me the deep, deep delight of being saved by you and let your willing spirit sustain me. And I just want to invite you today. Maybe you're here and you've, you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online and you've never, you've never said yes to his plan or his purpose. He wants to give you a brand new spirit, a brand new start. Or maybe, you're, maybe you've been in church for a very long time. Maybe you've spent your whole life in the house of God. Maybe you're watching online now and you've, you've spent a lot of time in church, but you're saying, I need that new heart. That's my prayer today is I need, I need God to create something clean and new and fresh inside of my life. Church, whether you're online or you're in the building, I'm gonna pray right now. And if that's your prayer today, you can just join together with me as I pray in here or as you're sitting online, you can pray with me. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you create in me a clean heart, a new heart, a new heart to follow you, Fill me with your spirit, your spirit of life, and lead me down paths of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's great. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.